Computers are live. Mixer is up. Levels are good. Equalizer is good. Ready channels one and two. Mic is live in three, two, one. Roll it. Welcome, listeners, to the My Practice My Business podcast, where we teach dentists and their teams how to reclaim forgotten profitability in dentistry with our clinical business of dentistry training. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. Welcome, podcasters. It's Dr. Rob with the My Practice My Business podcast. The title for today's uh, podcast is The Statistical State of Dentistry in Utah and Beyond. In the state of Utah, our dental association puts out a publication every two months called the UDA Action. In the January-February 2019 publication, uh, the UDA president, Dr. Chamberlain, shared some fantastic stats on dentistry here in Utah. And if you live in another state listening to this podcast, you're going to want to take note on my comments to this article because it has some crossover to where you practice too. And there's some information that you may want to, uh, you'll hear today that you may want to look up in your own state. Last September, uh, Marco, and I cannot pronounce his last name, I'm going to slaughter it, but he's an economist and head of the ADA's Health Policy Institute. He came to the Roseman Dental School uh, located in South Jordan, Utah, and presented information to the faculty and staff of Utah's two dental schools. That's right. Roseman and the University of Utah. You did hear me correctly. We have two dental schools in Salt Lake Valley. In that lecture, and that's, yeah, two dental schools in close proximity. That's for another podcast another day. In that lecture, though, Dr. Chamberlain states, Marco noted how unique dentistry is in Utah compared to the rest of the United States. This lecture included multiple graphs showing the state of dentistry in Utah. I'm going to discuss the graphs that Dr. Chamberlain shared and state his statements, and I'm going to add a few of my own statements as we go. (laughs) Of course I would. So the first graph, and by the way, if you want to see what these graphs look like, um, go to mypracticemybusiness.com and click on my blog, and you'll be able to see the graphs there. Um, So the first graph showed the supply of dentists in the state of Utah. This slide showed the number of dentists per 100,000 population, and the national average in 2016 was 60.8 dentists per 100,000 people. But for years, Utah was almost always way above the national average, meaning we had a surplus of dentists like there's no tomorrow. Everybody wants to practice along the Wasatch Front. It's a beautiful place to live, great family values, uh, mountains, skiing, hunting, fishing, backpacking, Uh, We're just right in the heart of a lot of wonderful things to do here. However, dentists have been leaving our state on an average of 2.2%. It was written that because statistics show that dentists are leaving the state at a rate of 2.2% per year, we may currently have a lower dentist-to-population average than in the rest of the country pretty soon, considering recent population growth. See, a lot of people want to come to Utah anyway and just be here. Uh, actually, the interesting thing is uh, northern Utah County is kind of uh, grabbing the uh, n- the uh, name uh, Mini Silicon Valley because we have a lot of high-tech companies that have moved in here. Um, but I believe the real story why dentists come and go or just don't stay at all is because you, 
you can make a lot more income elsewhere doing dentistry. That will become evident here shortly in a minute. The second graph shows the dentist workforce in the U.S. The graph shows that Utah has the highest percentage of dentists working in a solo practice, with about 65% of dental practices in the state having just one dentist in that practice. And that would be my practice. That I'm just a solo practitioner. I'm the sole dentist in my practice. What was interesting to me is Dr. Chamberlain stating Utah has only 3.9% of dentists working in dental service organizations, DSOs, while our neighbors to the south in Arizona are at 19%. Whoa, that's pretty high, which is the largest percentage of dentists employed by DSOs, according to Dr. Chamberlain. The fascinating thing to me is for years we've been told how DSOs are going to take a large bite out of the practice of dentistry as we know it, meaning a significant decrease in solo practitioners. Yet it seems to me the DSOs seem to be topping out at around 20% at their maximum level. That 20% mark is the most saturated I've seen in states. Um, Utah is very conservative. We're a very conservative state, and we certainly enjoy the freedoms that a solo practice has to offer. The problem is most dentists simply do not have the business training required to effectively run a dental practice, especially after graduating from dental school. Uh, So most dentists tend to work for someone else, learn the business of dentistry by osmosis and observation, and then go out on their own into solo practice. This pattern simply explains why dentists oftentimes struggle with the business end of their practice. Having said that, I can honestly say that dental practices that I see that suffer from a lack of business skills still see a measure of success that cannot be underestimated. Dentists didn't graduate from dental school and pass board exams by being stupid. They just don't know what they don't know. But the majority can and are willing to learn. In several DSO-type practices that we've seen here locally and in other states, oftentimes the MBAs that are running the programs there and with multiple practices will oftentimes say how dentists just don't get it. They don't understand business. And although that's true... um, the thing is, is we've seen a lot of these business type people uh, go in and try to run practices, and they don't do an any better job than the solo practitioner without any business training. That's kind of interesting. That's a story for a whole nother day. The third graph title was The Impact of PPO Plans. This graph showed how Utah took the most PPO-insured plans in all the United States except for Nevada. This, and that makes sense to us here at MPMB because uh, we've had an increase in clients in the state of Nevada where they want to learn how to increase their revenues due to the fact that they are inundated with PPO plans. What troubled me about this graph was the comment made stating, quote, as a result, the insurance company's reimbursement rates uh, as a percentage of our usual and customary fees is lower than most states. Data also shows that Utah dentists saw a 9.7% decrease in insurance reimbursement rates from 2015, from 2010 to 2015. This probably, and this is the killer, this probably correlates to the number of dentists that are contracted with insurance companies, close quote. We state if premiums were increased, coverage would do the same. It's just simple business math. One thing that is very correct in this statement from Dr. Chamberlain is the fact that dentists in Utah and surrounding states 
have seen a decrease in reimbursement rates, which translates to a decrease in our salaries. Dentist salaries have remained stagnant or have decreased since 2004. But if any of you follow the stock market like I do, publicly traded insurance companies seem to be profitable year after year. Their stock prices and company growth easily confirm my statement. Every time it seems like we drive down Interstate 15, there seems to be another uh, insurance company popping up, which is which also has a dental component to it, and they're building these big, huge buildings that definitely cost them a lot of money. So you know they're profitable. You know that, that they are living off of our decreased uh, salaries because we, they're controlling, over-controlling what we can charge out. Which leads us to the fourth graph found in this awesome article titled, Dentist Earnings in Utah. <laughs> the net earnings for dentists in the state of Utah have dropped significantly since 2006. Utah dentists make nearly 27% less than their colleagues do nationally. That's a huge number. But this one statement made on this graph, in my humble opinion, is an inaccurate assessment. I quote, Hopefully, as the local economy continues to improve, we will see these numbers trend back to approximate the national figures, close quote. When I see that or hear that, that's oftentimes wishful thinking. What dentists completely fail to understand is this one simple business principle. Profits do not always increase because the economy increases. Profits increase because you're actually profitable on each procedure. The argument to my thoughts, if I can argue the other side on this, would be if you're not busy in your practice, then you have a production problem. But how busy is busy? That is, a, is something that you have to look at your production total, your numbers, and calculate, am I busy enough to be profitable and to make money, or am I just so slow that I'm not making anything? Okay, You've got to hit your baseline uh, numbers to cover all your direct operating costs. That's the bottom line. But ask yourself this all-important question. How many of your colleagues are working their guts out and still find there isn't enough money to go around at the end of the month? Do you want to see 100 patients in a month with working appointments at a 10% profit margin? Or do you want to see 40 patients with a 40% profit margin? Think that one through. We're going to come back to that. But practices who are predominantly filled with PPO patients almost always see their profit margins hovering around 7 to 15% if they know what they're looking at. Fee-for-service practices tend to see a 30 to 55% profit or more. That's pretty powerful. The fifth graph showed that Utah dentists are the third lowest paid nationally, with Louisiana and the District of Columbia being the lowest in the nation for dentist salaries. Is there any wonder why we are seeing dentists leaving the state of Utah to practice dentistry elsewhere? Let's drive back into the subject of profit margins. If Doc 1 sees 100 patients for major work, and each of those patients averaged $1,000 per case, that's $100,000 of gross profit that month. That means that we're, all we're doing is we're taking 100 patients times $1,000 per case equals $100,000, right? And if your profit margin is only 10%, Doc 1 only made $10,000. 
Now, if Doc2 sees 40 patients who average $1,000 each for their treatment, for a total of $40,000 of gross profit that month, and they have a 40% profit margin, that means Doc2 just made $16,000. Doc1 makes $10,000 off off of 100 patients, and Doc2 makes $16,000, $6,000 more off of 40 patients. This is not unfamiliar in the Rocky Mountain states with practices that are insurance-driven. Practices we train lean more towards Doc2. We term that working smarter, not harder. I hate that phrase. I really do. Years and years ago, I used to hear older practitioners say, you know, you need to learn how to work smarter, not harder. But nobody would ever teach what that meant. And it totally means if it's, it's a matter of looking at your profit margins and tweaking them to where you're working smarter, not harder. You're not killing yourself seeing 10 times more patients than anybody else does, okay? Everyone asks me, is it possible, Rob, to even see a 25% profit margin, let alone a 40% profit margin with patients who are PPO insured? The simple answer to that question is yes. Not on every procedure, but on major procedures, the answer is yes. This is what we teach at My Practice, My Business. We help practices reclaim forgotten profitability in dentistry with our key methods and products with the clinical business of dentistry training, and we seriously have fun doing it. It's so much fun to see practices get excited about doing dentistry again. We had our team meeting this morning, and I asked Michael, our software engineer, one of my partners, if he could make some changes to our statistical software called My Dental Stats. He asked Tracy, our general manager, to send him a mock-up of what I was asking for. And here is what I want to give, or here's what I want to have our software track. And I hope you can envision this. <clears throat> In one column, I want the CDT codes, okay? All of our CDT codes. So those of you who've, you know, come on, Doc, hopefully you've done this. You open up like Dentrix and you look at, you open up the practice resource and, and, uh, and your fee uh, setups, and you can see all your CDT codes, right? And ne- next in column one, I want our UCR, fee-for-service fees. So you got the CDT codes in the first column, and then the next column, I want the, our fee-for-service fees. And then in the next column, I want a split column. I, w- I want a PPO plan, I want the PPO plan in alphabet, like so, you know, Aetna, Blue Cross, Delta, whatever you take. I just want them in alphabetical order because that's how OCD I am. And I, I want a split column showing what their fees are, and then I want to see the percent loss right next to it, or percent gain if your fee-for-service <laughs> fees are not high enough, right? So, for example, if we charge $1,000 for an all-porcelain crown on D2740, and the first PPO plan's contracted fee is $600 allowable, then the next column next to it will show a f- negative 40% loss. Now, the scary part of this is as Tracy did the mock-up of our 10 most common procedures, we were seeing losses of in of 50 to 60%. The lowest loss we had was 37%. I just about had a heart attack on the spot. This type of analytics is invaluable for all of our practices. We ended up dropping two plans that we take on the spot. I teach, preach, and expound on the fact that our reimbursement rates have been declining 
but I had no idea it was really that bad in my own practice. No wonder practices are filling the pinch. Mine isn't as much because we live by what I teach. And the same with our clients who engage on what we teach, but the majority are simply not as profitable as they need to be. My friends, if you do not know your direct operating cost per hour and what your reimbursement rates are per procedure and evaluate the two, you'll never be able to turn a true corporate profit. When will enough be enough and you make the call to our company to learn how to become profitable again? Learn how to push back against insurances. Learn how to to present treatment to your patients by offering them choice and charging for it. I know a handful of you out there are doing a pretty good job with some upgrading and value-added services, but you fall way short of your potential. Bottom line, you simply cannot continue to do high-end dentistry at the rates of reimbursement you see from PPO plans. You just can't. It's, it's a math equation. It doesn't work. That's why so many of the... Uh, uh, Supply companies and labs tell me all the time how most of the practitioners are ordering the least expensive stuff as possible, thinking that that's going to increase their profit margins. You guys, that hardly touches them. And if you think a better economy is the answer, you're only fooling yourself. If I did not offer upgrades and value-added services to my patients in my own practice and charge them fairly for those products and services... I would be that doctor barely making 10% profit margins. That I can promise you. I would be working my guts out just to stay afloat. Insurance reimbursements will destroy you if you do not know how to offer choice and charge for it, regardless if they are UCR fee-for-service fees or PPO-type patients. We do it to both patients. It's unethical to target only insured patients. You have to offer choice to everybody and be fair. Dental practices have carrying capacities. Doctor, you can only run so fast. You can only see so many patients each day. And you can only have so many staff members on your payroll. In addition, if you are in solo practice, you have got to make a margin of profit that can fund your retirement, buy new equipment, and still give you the living that you worked hard for and deserve. Let my practice, my business, teach you business principles that will change the way you run your practice forever and realize hidden revenue streams you never knew existed. They are simple business principles that corporations utilize every day, and you should too. Thank you so much for tuning in to the My Practice, My Business podcast. You can find additional podcasts you may have missed that will help you with your dental practice at Apple iTunes Podcasts. And remember to become a subscriber to our podcast. Many of you have asked how to help support the My Practice, My Business podcast. If you have enjoyed the program and information you received today, the best way to help is to leave us a five-star review. Thanks again for allowing us to be a part of your day.